Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Bobby Moore and Sir Jeff Hurst. The trailer looking at Billy Bones. A pound of Gigano. West Ham United. We celebrate our victories. We stick together in defeat. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. I have to do it myself because no one else. This is a bonus edition. I'm not back. I haven't done a takeover. Um, about a week ago, uh, Nigel and myself did a uh, financial uh, YouTube stream, a live stream with uh, Irons United. Um, and so so a few people have asked us, could you turn it into a podcast? And we said, yeah, of course we can. Uh, so here we are. It is two hours long. I'll pre-warn you. Uh, but this is what we said about finances. We're going to put a link to the presentation because uh, obviously it was a visual thing up on the Facebook group. So that's facebook.com slash more than just a podcast. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy. What I want to say about tonight's show in particular is that we can only, or sorry, Sean and Nigel can only, and, and West Ham fans can only go by the facts that we are faced with. So this tonight is not a justification as to why we are not spending money um, out for transfers and neither is it the justification the other way around. It is literally, we are presented with the facts um, and we've got some information and, and we're going to dig in a little bit deeper and hopefully inform a lot of the fans out there a little bit about where the finances have gone since Upton Park all the way through to the London Stadium, etc. So, you know, without further ado, I may as well pass over to you guys and we'll just get uh, rocking and rolling, but there, we're going to have a few people calling in, asking a few questions. Yeah, yeah. We'll, try and, we'll try and tie it in if we can with the relevant slide once we come in yeah. and out of the, the slide. Stick to the running order. It took me all the five minutes to come up with yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's taken me about 10 hours to create the PowerPoint in the first place, which we're going to share afterwards. Uh, <laughs> it, it all comes from, from uh, referenceable sources. So mostly Companies House. Um, yeah. and uh, land registry and, and things like that. So anyone can can double check these. Uh, where it's not a, a reliable source, then then I paint it out. But but nearly ninety nine percent of this will all be companies house uh, references. Absolutely. Yeah. Not not senior sources. 
Not senior sources. The senior source bit is going to be about one percent. Yeah. Today. But listen, Sean. I mean, you've 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 appeared back. You're you're back from 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 the. <laughs> well, I don't know. My test card's still up. I did one retweet for this tonight. I am not back on Twitter, by the way. Uh, my vow of silence still continues for the time being. Right. Cool. Excellent. Um, should we get started? Yeah. yeah let's get in. Right. That's, it. that's what that's what people want to hear. That's what yeah, people want to hear. So I'm going to try my best. Bear with me, please. Bear with me. I'm going to try my best to get this up and running for you guys, so you can actually see the screen that we're going to be sharing with you. Um, and yeah, I'll pass over to you now. Hopefully, this section is called loans and recent income. Uh, so there's there's no loans and no recent income. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're skin. Oh. Is it loaded yet? <laughs> Not no, yet. Blank. Oh, it'll be Come on, on in the night. Once we do this for real, it will work. That's it. Is it coming? No, surely. I mean, it's on. It's up in my. There we are. Yeah. So okay, let's start. So, um, just to explain a little bit, um, West Ham United are a company, and therefore. Um, they, they are illegally obliged to file their accounts with uh, Companies House. Limited companies are. Uh, they have up to nine months after the financial year. So just to put us into a bit of perspective, um, the reason the last account's out are for 2019 is the financial year for most clubs, including West Ham, is May to May. So it follows the season. So the latest accounts uh, for West Ham were up to 31st of May, 2019 we haven't got accounts for last season yet uh they should be due about january sometimes a christmas present for me um but uh they they release them they have to release them by march but often they release them about december try and sort of bury the news in something else you know publish them christmas day and hope no one notices so that, let's just start um but in all fairness, start... sorry, to, sorry to interrupt there, Sean, in all fairness, that's that's what a lot of companies do anyway yeah they do yeah, yeah, that, that's common practice. So this is not Machiavellian West Ham here. This is that's standard stuff. Yeah. So so yeah. Um, let's start with the elephant in the room. And by the way, right? And I know some people might say, "Oh, well, we don't believe fiction." If they were to submit fake um, yeah. accounts, oh, yeah. it would be fraud. So be careful yeah. of claims you make that the accounts are fiction. Oh you know, yeah. If, if that could be proved, it would be fraud, and the company directors could be struck off. Um, well, and even worse, they could uh, be uh, sent down for it as well, can't they? Yeah, they could. We live in a... <sighs> we, we are going to treat these as, you know, that people have not uh, committed fraud and, and these are uh, bear resemblance to truth. So um, when people, and, and you see the bottom line there, when people talk about West Ham, I hear it all the time, but West Ham are the 18th richest club in the world, Yeah. It's yeah. turnover only, and Deloitte Football Rich List 2020 produced it. And the reason is, you can see at the top, 190 million, 190.5 million is how much income we got for the last full season, which is 2019. We got 27 million pounds from ticket revenue. So that's just normal ticket revenue, not uh, corporate. That's, that's basically of which 23.5 million were season tickets. Again, it's in the account. Uh, so you can work. The rest of it was just general. You don't make. We don't make a lot of money out of general uh, tickets. Yeah. Commercial activities is the one most people 
don't understand. And, and it breaks down mostly to corporate hospitality, so that's Club London, and sponsorship deals such as Betway and Umbro. That came to 27.5 million. Uh, the hospitality is estimated, and this is not from the accounts, to be 12 million. That's a figure that's been reported in the past. That's how much the 3,600 Club London contribute um, to it. So so that's that's the ticket and, and, and sponsorship. Sometimes the reports of, you know, we get 10 million from uh, Betway and 6 million from Mumbro. Those figures don't add up if you work out it doesn't all fit into 27 million. Um, TV income is the biggest part. And, and last year for finishing 13th, we got 127 million and a half. Uh, it's not paid up front. It comes over in installments. You get a big lump sum, 85 million everybody gets. Then you get merit payments, about 1.2 million for every game that's shown on UK TV. And then you get a positional one that's worth about £2 million a place. So 13th, under Pellegrini, we've got 127.5 million. The retail club website, 8.7 million in the last full year. And then they list other income at 2 million. I don't know what that's from. Who knows? But it's just listed as other income. So total income, 192.7. That's where our money comes from. That's why we're called the 18th richest club in the world. But income doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Because if it's income, it's income, not profit, not profit. Yeah. yeah. So if we go to the second slide, which is 2020, so this Sorry, is estimated. Sean. Sorry, Sean, before you do, can I quickly clarify? You know, say with the TV income included in that, is that the money that we get for each place that we uh, finish yeah. uh, within the Premier League? Yeah. 85 million share, equal share for everybody. 1.2 million for every game that's shown on UK TV. We usually have about 15 and about £2 million a place for yeah. uh, where you finish. Right. Okay. So 2000 and, uh, 2020 income, uh, I've estimated, and this is the one part that is estimated, to drop down to about £159 million. And the reason for that is our ticket revenue uh, is going to be reduced to about £19 million. Um, I have been told it dropped by 12 million by a senior source but if you divide the number of games it's not very hard to work out our ticket revenue would have dropped the same with commercial activities so corporate sponsorship we missed five of our home games and the sponsors didn't have to pay as much because guess what in their contracts there has to be people in the stadium who's what sponsors want to pay for stuff that fans don't see even yeah, though yeah. it was on tv uh tv income of course we finished 16th again that's that's a publicly available um calculation so we've, we we only got 110 million is my estimate for finishing 16th compared to the 127 and a half we did retail yeah. club um because obviously the retail and club store was closed for lockdown uh, i estimate that's dropped by about a million and a half so so the income in my estimation and this is the one estimation slide will be down to about 160 million, down 30 million on the year. Now, if if you if you drop that much income, <laughs> that's got to come from somewhere because we're still spending yeah. as much. So if we move on to the next slide, which is expenditure, this is what we spend. So, sorry, again, before you move on, Sean, I just want to clarify one thing. A lot of people ask me as well. On match day, obviously when nobody's going right now, but on match day, how much money does the club earn from, you know, beverage sales, food sales? Next to nothing. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. 60 so, grand in a year was the last figure I got from Miss so Brady all herself. That goes to the stadium, right? Goes to LS. Uh, well, actually, it goes to the American company, Delaware North. Right. Uh, then they share it with LS185 and the owners, LLDC. Yeah. Um, and we get a little fraction after they've made a, their first half million pound profit. Yeah. We get a percentage. The last so, full year, we got 60 yeah. grand from, from so sharing. All the stallholders outside as well, who I think they have to pay. They have I to pay Delaware 20%, North. 20% of their turnover or, or profits or something. That yeah. goes to Delaware, not West Ham. That, that goes to Delaware North, yeah. Yeah, and that's a, yeah. that's a substantial amount that they're paying for their pitch as well, isn't it? Those it people. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a big mountain of money, but yeah. all, all set by Delaware yeah. now. So basically, we're not getting anything from... From catering. The no. yeah, 60 the grand. Yeah. 60 grand. Okay. All right, thanks. So, so we've talked about income. Now, the elephant in the room, the big one is, in the last full accounts, um, we spent 229 million. Can you see the problem? We've received 190 million. We spent 229 um and it's 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 broken down like this so club operations 172 we're going to break that down in a minute and transfers 58 uh, 57 million so wages was the highest it will be lower this year i estimate around 120 or the season just gone but actually in 2019 it was 136 million more than we bought in in tv the stadium rent is 3 million again in the accounts depreciation of assets that we own that's probably in the training grounds two million interest we paid four million uh unspecified expenditure don't know what it is but that's all the uh, the other things the company would do is is uh 27 million probably in marketing i've put and rates we pay a lot of rates and then uh the transfers alone was the 58 million now that's not how much we seven. spent that's how much we seven. spent in a year of playing uh um installments so it's almost five million pounds nearly 60 million almost five million pound a month we're paying out in transfers we're still paying for you know anderson and and all the probably all the players we bought over the last four years it becomes Go on. Quick, benny the amos was are the accounts audited or unaudited yes yeah, they're, they're audited, audited. Yeah. these are audited accounts yeah, yeah i forget who the auditor is i'm sure you could look that up while while we're talking so i i'm I think we're going to stop there, aren't we, for questions yeah, for that, yeah. that, that thing. So that is what comes in, income, what goes out. Um, uh, who are the auditors right here? I can see the KPMG or Price Waterhouse. I, I'm thinking it was Price Waterhouse. But... Well, you could quickly uh, look up on, uh, on, on yeah. the accounts. But, um... that expenditure expand... uh, think... for about $27 million for what you say could be marketing, could be anything within that is that any payments back to golden sullivan um it could be and, and we do talk about all the payments they all have to be accounted for so the yeah. payments to golden sullivan have to be accounted in what's called third party transactions yeah so so where there is uh, an interest of a director they all have to be called out so every penny that's been paid to golden sullivan i'm going to do later in a slide okay yeah, uh, all the loans they've made and all the monies they've they've got back. Okay, right, I'm just trying to look through some of the comments here. So Samantha TKO, we've been talking about the accounts for the last five years or so, even more so in the last four. It's obvious that the money has been siphoned elsewhere. Don't be surprised if they file insolvency. 
I, I don't know about siphoned. I think actually they're, they're trying to make it sustainable, whether you agree with that or not. You know, they last before the rights issue of this year in when they put 30 million in the last time they put money in was in 2013, as I'll show you later. They don't inject money. They want the club to stand on its own two feet. And, and largely it can. Um, they just right up to the Pellegrini. They just went mad when when they got Pellegrini on transfers and now we're paying the price it's it's like you know suddenly you 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 go out on a credit card bill for christmas and spend it all and then and then you're hit by the bill in january and go shit how am i going to pay for that well, that's, I mean, that's the position we're in this questionnaire trish is it he's interested in wages they've cut with a squad butchering you, you we will save wages obviously because in the previous wages there was like our which would have been covered he's been sold we've sold players uh, but but and, and we've trimmed the squad down from some excesses. That's why Sean was saying he expects the wages to be from 136 to 120, probably lower than 120, maybe between 115 and 120. Yeah. What you've got to take into consideration is, yes, they've trimmed the bill. Yes, they've got rid of pay players. They've brought in Haller, who's on probably a good wage. Lanzini got a new deal. Yeah, Rice exactly. got a new deal. Yeah. You know, so... While we're all looking at Snodgrass got a new deal, I mean, there's yeah. plenty of people that got new deals. Some and of the other players have been given pay rises to bring them up, which all goes into yes, when the accounts come out next time, we're expecting to see a 15 to 20 million bit more uh saving. But we're also um, not paying for tr for loan players like we were a couple of years ago, the likes of Evra, 75 grand a week. Um, correct. Who was the lad from Inter Milan that we got? Uh, the Portuguese lad. Uh, he, he was on quite Annette. a lot. No, yeah. Um, um, oh, come on. What, years ago? Jimenez? A couple of years ago. No. no, a couple of years ago. He, he joined about halfway through and we had him for about six months. Jao something, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, Jao. Yeah, Mario, yeah. Or whatever. So much. Yeah, I mean, so, so we're not playing for those kind of players, are we, at the yeah. moment? No, of course not. Gary's saying the commercial one is deal with Dodge. We have loads of sponsors. What are they paying the bare minimum? Well, if you see it, nearly all the big money, we, we, we get uh, delusions of grandeur. We think we should get in the same money as um, Spurs and Man United and Chelsea because we think we're a big club. <laughs> Guess what? Really, you've got to look at us against the others. And when you look at us against the others, we, outside the big six, we are a sort of level with Everton. Outside of that, everybody's below us. So... We do push our weight with sponsorship. It's just sponsorship is so poor outside the big six, the top six. And guess what? We're not top six. We're not a big no. six club, and we can't generate the kind of sponsorship we think we can, but we can't. And and Everton are a very similar club in sponsorship to us, uh, uh, but their owner puts a lot more in uh, and does sort of commercial deals himself. But that's another story. Outside so of that. You kind of get the vibe, though, that the messaging that, you know, the, the problem here is the messaging from the owners. It's all related to the messaging. So, like we said, everything's there yeah, in yeah. black and white. We're going a little bit deeper, but yeah, yeah. in a minute. But, you know, it, it's coming across uh, like they, 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 they portray the top six side. That yeah, well, not. yeah, yeah. The, the ambition, the dreams are not. And just to answer James's question there, TV income, has it not gone up this year off no, selling tickets? Not. And the answer is no. If anything, it goes down this year. Um, yeah, they, they wanted to say they wanted to sue everybody and they want 330 million pounds of of uh fines or, or um compensation 
Now, what happened in the end was uh, they got all those extra games for free. The broadcasters did very well out of it. And over the next two years, all clubs pay that for 330 million between them, the 20 clubs, over the next two years. And even worse than that, um, the Chinese deals pulled out. That's worth hundreds of millions. That's going to be a, a knock on everybody's money as the Chinese. The biggest commercial yeah, but, deal. But what they may do with the Chinese, though, is is go to a different Chinese broadcaster. They, they may do. You're right. They, they go out a one state broadcaster. I think in yeah, China yeah. there's like half a dozen state broadcasters. It's all but as it stands, with... we're only we're only dealing in facts, Nigel. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, the yeah. facts are that the Chinese one has pulled out. Anyway, we probably want to move on, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the they're next. Right. Player sales. We will talk about. By the way, yeah, we will. Talk we will. About that. Um, before we do, can we bring in our first uh, phone in, which is obviously a regular. Um, yeah. on Irons United. It's Matt. I'm going to add Matt into the stream here. Can you hear us, Matt? Okay. Matt, you unmute you yourself. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you now. You okay? Hey, yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Do you want any questions related to the first couple of slides there? Expenditure? Um, yeah, uh, do they list the agent fees in their expenditures? Or is that just come under like miscellaneous for transfers? No, that probably comes under miscellaneous, but but they, and in fact, you really brought up a good point. And I, do you know what? When I was doing this thing, I thought I should have put agent fees. And you've just reminded me I didn't put that slide in. The agent fees have to be announced uh, by the Premier League. So they're not the accounts. They're probably in that 27 million, as you just said, sometimes in the transfer fees. But uh, West Ham, from memory, spent 13 million pound in agent fees in the last financial year. Uh, again, go on to uh, Premier League website and every club's transfer fees since 2011 or 12, when it first started, is published there. Um, uh, it's a phenomenal amount that goes on agent fees. Yeah. Excellent. Anything else, Matt? Um, obviously, you said we've got the teams are spread across paying back the TV money. Have they said how that affects relegated teams? It uh, they don't they're a bit they're a bit mute on that so um, I think the, the relegated teams uh, will still get their parachute payments uh, it probably you know it will be part of the if the, the three teams have got promoted are going to have to pay the compensation for the ones they replaced and the reason is the Premier League is owned by the clubs you own one share right they're twenty shares so the Premier League is the clubs. You own one twentieth, and that share, when you get relegated, gets passed from club to club. So the liabilities pass with it. I'm afraid. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So we get back onto the slide, Matt. Um, you can see. Yeah. Look, someone said there, Carl. For reference, it, our sponsorship is the seventh highest in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Just then, the top six have unreal deals. Yeah, absolutely right. Well done, Carl. Thanks for looking out for me. Sam saying, and that's the issue. Everton's owner puts money in, and he does. Going. Other than the yeah. rates issue in 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Everton's owner, well, I'm not going to go in there because there's libel laws and everything, but there's some very interesting finances going on at Everton. Well, officially, the Everton's owner is Moshiri. Uh, you have to remember that Moshiri was at Arsenal as a, as a low-level uh, shareholder uh, working in conjunction with uh, Usmanov, yeah. who is wealthy beyond anybody's means. And obviously, I think Usmanov then got fed up with Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Isn't he yeah. worth more than Abramovich? Yes. Usmanov, yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Well, we could answer all these questions right now, but there's going to be plenty more as we go through. So let's get fired in about the other bits of the slide. Are we ready for that? Yeah. 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 Let's go for it. Right. Let's hope I can get this back on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, right. We need to get to slide on. Slide six is coming. This is slick. You you should do Premier League productions and. Uh, um, what happens when you're on a budget and you only get eight viewers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we're moving on Slide to uh, five. You want? Loans. Yeah, that's it. There, go back. There we are. There you go. Right, so loans. Uh, so this is bank loans. Um, you know, the the, the biggest. We, we don't really borrow money as such um, anymore. You know, we used to borrow lots of money, and we're going to talk about debt later um, in the days of the Icelandics. But we don't really borrow money. We we have an overdraft. And that's called a, short, a, a, a credit, revolving credit. Um, and that is with media rights and funding. It was before called Vibrec and, and Mousehole. It was in the British Virgin Islands and then Premier League outlawed it. We've been borrowing money from a long time, but basically it's cash flow. So in, in 2019, the last accounts, we entered into agreement for £75 million overdraft, right? A credit facility. And, and then we can draw down on that when we need it for transfers. So in 2019, we drew down 10 million, 16 million, 13 million. Uh, obviously, that came to 39 million, uh, which then had to be paid back this summer. So we've just paid it back. So just to explain where the money went, we spent 39 million pounds of money we didn't have last summer, and we've just had to pay it back in August. So that explains where some of the money have gone. And, and the way it works is um, 1% interest um, uh, on the credit facility and 7% of uh, the funds borrowed. Just to answer a question of something that popped up, yes, the 75 million is in company's house in the, in the accounts, the drawdowns of 10, 16 and 13 and the 39 million is in company's house. The 1% and 7% isn't, that is from a senior source, but um, uh, so I'll, I'll signpost that. Um, the interest estimated uh, based on, on those sums is, is almost 3.5 million. And as you saw, we paid 4 million um, in total. Uh, the, it's widely known that the, the, um, the company is owned by um, Michael Tabor, uh, the person who nearly bought West Ham, big West Ham fan, uh, big racing guy. Um, and it, he's the one that is, is constantly lent money uh, to West Ham. Previously, he's loaned money to... Um, and other football clubs yeah. and Southampton and who else? Uh, Everton, yeah, Everton, Southampton, and Fulham. Fulham's everyone. Um, the last person to loan money, uh, is, is going back to the Icelandic. So in 2013, David Sullivan actually loaned money to the club 6.7 million as the bank of last resort. Uh, and, and he loaned it at a commercial interest rate because the banks wouldn't loan us, and that that loan was paid before we moved from the bowling ground that was paid back in 2016 as we know trip smith who joined us loaned us 9.5 million interest free and that's payable back when the sale of the club now if we move on to the shareholder loans which is the next slide now that's not supposed to be like that <laughs> now that's the only one we have uh it, it, it's gone a little bit big but okay let's go back again um, 
it, for some reason, it's formatting, Anton, where there's a lot of information on this slide and we, we, we can't me, read it. Do you want me to read let it me, out? Let yeah, will you do that? Can, let me see if I can get it up a um, little different way. That was page slide eight, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, do you want to start reading it out now, John? I'll see if I can get right. it on. So basically, Golden Sullivan invested a total of 52.2 million in shareholder loans to the club between 2011 and 2014. No additional shareholder loans have been made in the last four years, apart from Trip Smith's investment, but that's part of buying the club, uh, buying his shares in the club. Uh, so 2014, 3.5 million, 2013, 10.5 million. The big one, 2012, 35.2 million, which was to cover the loss of income due to relegation. Yeah. And then 2011, the first full year of accounts of Gold and Sullivan owners, they invested 3 million. In July 2016, a company owned by David Gold and the Icelandic CB Holding were paid 14.7 million in settlement of loans. And what you've got to remember is, people, is that Icelandic still owned shares in the club originally in 2010 when golden sullivan bought the club they only bought 50 percent, and then that came down over time uh in august 2016 now um just after the sale of the bowling or just after the move i should say not the sale just after the move golden sullivan repaid 4.2 million of the shareholder loans and then took out 2.2 million in interest 10 million of interest occurred at 6% was paid back to Golden Sullivan on the 18th of August 2017. So the interest on the remaining balance was then reduced 7% to 4% in 2017. 29th of August 2018, a further 4.6 million of interest at 4% was paid back to the owners. And then on 2019, 2.9 million of interest at 4.25 was paid back to the owners. And then another company owned by David Gold in August of 2018 was paid back 1 million of loan capital. So is, this is the main thing. So we've got the total. So total interest on the loans was 19.7 million plus another 7.5 million of loan capital repaid. So basically, it's 20 million, 19.7. Uh, if you look at every interest payment they've taken out on the 52.5 million, they've got 7.5 million back in capital, which means there's still 45 million outstanding. Was supposed to be paid back at the beginning of this year, but they've deferred it again. And they've taken out between them 19.7 million in interest. And I guess that's the bit that people have a problem with but again it's in black and white and uh it, it's there to um for people to judge as as they will so according to your figures in total in, for loan repayment and interest they've taken out uh 27.2 million pound yeah although some of it was money they put in in the first place yeah know? no 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 so that's what i'm saying so the interest is 20 million and, and the loan capital is is uh, seven is seven and yeah. a half yeah yeah, yeah. Right, okay yeah. question is, is it we were stopping for questions here aren't we 
No, I think we've got one more. One just more slide. One more slide. Yeah. One slide. Yeah, just yeah. for anyone that's... Um, we've got people that are sitting in the background here. So once we get onto the next slide, I know you guys can hear me. I'll bring you on and you yeah. can ask a couple of questions for the next yeah. one and then we'll go into the comments again later on. So let's get back into the slide. Sorry about that one. I don't know why. It seems to be the only slide that's doing that, to be honest. So yeah. let's get on to the next one. Tell me if that's next one. No, next, so that's next screen. That's it. That's all yeah. right. So we're doing the debt as well. Yeah. yeah. On the because there's two debt figures. So um I was asked this by Nigel. What was the debt? You remember the, the famous thing? So when Golden Sullivan came out, I won't do impression of them. We've got over hundred million pounds of debt. Okay, so let's look at that debt. Because sometimes, you know, season ticket holders, bond holders, they can all be seen as debt, you know, the money you owe for the Coke machine. You know, so let's look at real debt. So in 2010, um, they had 55 and a half million owned to banks, mostly Icelandic banks, by the way, yeah. um, 40 million owed to other clubs, right, for players, and 20 million pound owed to Sheffield United over the whole Carlos Tevez affair. Yeah. Um, the 2009 accounts were the, the first accounts to be released on Golden Sullivan ownership showed, and remember they were a year later, 10 million was owned to a major shareholder. So that would have been, again, um, you know, I forget who it was, pro probably Egbert or someone. It was a, um, and in even worse, they'd advanced the season ticket money. So some, they'd sold the season ticket revenue. So, and this is more of an income, but 7.7 .7 in the first year, 7.25 in the second year. And even the, the SOB sponsorship have been advanced as well, 1.2 million. But, but basically, we're saying the club had over 125 million pound of debt when they took over. Now, if we go to the next slide to bring it up to 2019, you can see, actually, it's increased. <laughs> it's increased to 141 million. Um, so we know we've talked about 45 million is still owed to Golden Sullivan. We don't know when that will be paid back. Nine and a half million is owed to Trip Smith. That will only be paid back when the club is sold. Um, transfer payments outstanding in 2019 was 87 million. We owed 87 million to other clubs in at the end of the accounts in 2019. Um, I've excluded the short term loan, but basically because we keep on repaying it at the end of the year. So it's not really a debt because we keep on paying it and paying it and paying it. But obviously, there was £39 million in the short-term loan. But I've said I've excluded that because it's paid off each year and we start again. Um, but, but that shows you it depends. You know, people talk about bank debt, and we certainly did clear the bank debt. But what we've done is we've replaced that with shareholder loans. So we have £55 million of bank debt. We now have £55 million of shareholder debt. We add... 40 million owned to uh, uh, 60 million owed to other clubs. We now have 87 million owed to other clubs. So you could ask what's changed. I'll leave it there. Right. I'm going to get some of the comments in, but we're going to bring Josh in. Josh has never actually been on the show before. So, Josh, can you hear us okay, mate? Yeah, mate. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Perfectly. Thanks Perfect. for joining us tonight. Um, have you got any questions at all based upon what we were saying uh, or just yeah. in general? Just where's the money going, really? How they can uh, sort of keep passing it off as... Sorry, I'm just turning you off a bit. Um, how they can um, obviously just keep saying the money's disappearing. Um, yeah. Well, when, when, when we say it's disappearing, we can see where it's going. It, it's whether it's been spent wisely. So it's going in... 
nearly yeah. all of it's going in transfer payments that we've made in in the last few years and wages. Now yeah, I mean, it's a different question. So that's the that's the answer of where the money's going. Yeah, <laughs> there is um, a different question, which is not a finance question. Is is it right that it should be going there, or is it being wasted? Well, that's not a question for tonight. From a, from a financial position, the money's going on wages and transfers. Whether yeah. it's been spent wisely is 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 probably for for another night. What do you yeah. think, Josh? What you want to come back at that? No, no, I, I've. Uh... I know full well, like everyone else does, that it's not being spent properly. Um, you know, I've had face-to-face conversations with uh, Sullivan at an event that I was at, that he was at, and yeah, it's never going to happen, mate, under these boys, ever, like the recruitment. Um, yeah. So you're putting it down to mainly messaging then that comes from the board to the fans. You know, you know, w- um, w- when we've had money, for example, with the investment that was made with the Pellegrini, Pellegrini era, um that, that 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 was down to knee jerk reactions and and not really the right recruitment. Yeah, I'd say recruitment's been poor. Um, fair play, like I must say, fair play to David Moyes. I think he's got it spot on so far with Suchet and Bowen, or Suchet, however you pronounce it. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think the recruitment's going to improve, mate, under these boys. I must say, as I said, I've I've had face to face conversations with him uh, at, at an event and. The people he was saying that he would like to bring to West Ham were like laughable. Um, yeah. We were sat with him, as I said, all night. At, uh, it was a boxing event. I think it was um, Daniel Dubois was fighting in because he's friends with uh, Sullivan's friends with that Frank Warren, and he was uh, Sullivan was two rows ahead of me, and then he moved back one row for someone else, and he was there with the kid Jack. And I think it was this, uh, it was two days before Christmas and Moyes had just been announced that day. And um, I think we'd, not, we'd lost all October, all November. And it, fair play to Sullivan. Like, he was sat there with us chatting, everything. And he was asking me who would be, like, a good shout. And I said various people. Um, and he categorically said to me then, like, well, it is what it is. We're just going to have to make do. He wasn't interested at all, mate. Yeah. Uh, so it's messaging and, 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 and the messages that are getting to the fans, etc. Matt, think... you had a couple of questions on the finances, did you not? Um, yeah, you just throw me off there. Um, obviously, on the finances, say we've got the loans. Obviously, they said they've pulled this money back out. Um, surely they should know that it's in their long-term interest to keep the money in. Like obviously they can't put it all in. They need their cash flow themselves. But you know, like this year, they say we've pulled out twenty or million. That twenty million, they could put it back in and do what the American done and say we'll take it back out as part of the sale. You know, Mike Ashley was prepared to do that last year, and hmm. he doesn't even take an interest on his loans. And he's supposed supposedly so, the, the so they put in thirty the million in in July, um, and and possibly it's not enough. But either they're unwilling or unable to do it you know um it's all well and good you know david sullivan being a 1.2 billionaire and david gold being a, a 500 million uh millionaire but but most of that's not cash you know most of the value in david gold funny enough david gold's wealth is is in his company and summers some property and actually 
most a lot of his wealth is is the valuation of West Ham. So, you know, it's a two-edged sword. Sullivan, by the way, is mostly property. And again, the only way that people, and, and this is normal with all billionaires, they don't sit around with cash in the bank. They make the cash work for them. So it's property and company shares. And again, he owns 50% of West Ham. So if, if the Sunday Times list valued West Ham at um, £500 million, as Forbes did, and we're going to talk about that later, you know, 250 of his is uh his valuation is 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 west ham itself so i'm not pleading poverty for them but you know commercial um property prices not done well in covid and, and i'm not sure ann summers has done that well either um i don't know whether it's they don't want to spend the money or whether they can't put any more in but they put 30 million in in july um which is better than putting no money in i, d I don't know whether they've planned to put any more money in what what about the interest? Like I know they're saying, yeah. I know the interest they've continually reduced the number, haven't they? The percentage of it was yeah, it's four like point. Said, it, like, last year, as we just said, it's four point two five percent. They did say on on, on a public um, announcement they're deferring interest during COVID. I don't know how long they're deferring interest for it. We'll, we'll see when the accounts come out. So, someone just said, by the way, there's a little thing that's a really important one saying depreciation and, and immortalizing transfers is not the same as cash flow. They're absolutely right. Just because it gets put in the accounts that we depreciate either players or assets doesn't mean it gets it, it gets spent in that year. It can be spent in a different way. So that, that person brings a I, uh, a good point out. Yeah, I'm not here to de de defend. Oh, God forbid I ever defend them too. <laughs> but the, the one thing that what what they will say with the interest that perhaps people miss is that when they took over, uh, when they put uh, money into the account at the club, some of it was to take over bank loans. When banks don't lend the football clubs, so they had to go to higher interest loaning. Now, I believe it was West Ham was loaning money at 10% off of previous. This they is, were. Uh, yeah. uh, before Golden Sullivan come. So while they would came in, this, this may make people laugh. I don't know. So actually, they when I remember at an SAB meeting, it was claimed that they were saving West Ham money by only loaning it at 7%. Now, take that as it, what you will. That is what they said, that the fact is is that um, when they went out to the market, if they wanted to borrow £20 million, it would have been at 10%, where if they put it in and only charged 7%, they saved the club 3%. Well, you can see as well, we've just talked about media rights and uh, uh, funding. We pay 7%. Was it 7 yeah. or 6% of money we actually borrow? 1% uh, across the whole 75 million and correct. then 6% across what they draw down. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, any other questions on? Yeah, there was some questions in there. Let's try and get into the chat here. Um, loads of people just saying, if the owners can't do anything else, then why stay? Why not put the club up for sale? Let's well, we're going to talk about the sale of the club. Should we save that for yeah, the valuation of the club? But but ultimately, you need a buyer to sell. Um, you don't have to put a for sale sign up. People will come and offer you money for football clubs if they really want it and, and chance their arm. You don't have to put a full sale up. Yeah, um, sure. Go on. Yeah, Alf. Let's, let's, let's kind of touch on this point, and this is kind of links in what Josh was saying as well. And also reading on some of the comments that have come through as well, which I can see. The reason why possibly, you know, us fans, we want them to put more money in or we want them to 
you know, to have a, a better budget for transfers and everything, because we want them to be more affluent owners. We want them to be more generous owners. But unfortunately, that generosity is beyond their financial means. They just don't have the ability. Either it's beyond their financial means or it's uh, they don't want to do it. And, and Well, as you said, they're, they're not cash Unwilling rich, or unable. They're, yeah. they're asset rich, possibly, but they're not cash yeah. rich. So they yeah. can't just keep on throwing money into the club because they, they probably just don't have it. And you know, and that's why yeah. we're, the club are having to force to sell players and sell the likes of Deer and Garner just to scrape, uh, you know, eighteen million just to you know yeah. fund the. Well, if you look, them. if you look at some Sam Sullivan's companies, um, you know, he borrows a lot of money um, because he owns a lot of property, and therefore he can borrow against it. Yeah. Um, but you'll see when he bought a chunk of shares, he sold a building for like 50, forty million or something. I forget which building it was. It was a either the Radio Times building or something like that. It was a big building, he sold it. And that's the way he raises cash, you sell a building. But, you know, he runs a property company. He doesn't really want to sell all his, his, his property. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, quickly, because you're putting these questions up, put, someone said about Tony Fernandez there. What you've got to remember, Tony Fernandez was divering when he was trying to buy the club. And you've got to remember, when Golden Sullivan bought the club, um, they were in a three-way bid with Massimo Cellini, who screwed Leeds over, and then mm. Tony Fernandez, who put a lot of money into QPR. You, you know, I, I won't uh, criticise Fernandez for what he'd done at QPR because he put the money in. You could argue he did it badly, but then again, mm. we could argue that about Golden Sullivan. Now, the, why did Golden Sullivan get it? Now, this is my only opinion, and it's, I've held it since they bought the club. Is the fact is, is that they managed to pay, uh, they bought 50% of the club. Now, the story is they put 50 million, it cost them 50 million pound. Now, if you look at the Trip Smith, nine million pound, uh, it's, it's a stipulation that when you buy a chunk of shares in West Ham, you then put what it's cost you in shares. You then put that money into the club as as, as a collateral to use. Mm -hmm. It's quite possible that when they bought the club for fifty million, that they paid twenty five million in shares and twenty five million went into cash flow of running the club. Um, now that won't show up in West Ham's accounts because that was done prior to Golden Sullivan owning the club, and it yeah. wasn't turnover for what West Ham. Also, that left the Icelandics with fifty million, uh, with fifty percent of the um, club. Now, it's a good chance that they then went to the Icelandics and said, "If you give us fifty percent, we'll make we'll increase the value of the club, and therefore the fifty percent you own will increase in value, and you'll get more money back than you will by selling hundred percent of the club." We didn't end up like that, Nigel. No, because... it didn't end up like that. But at the end of the day. And Golden Sullivan were the ones that made the jump first. I believe Fernandez. Remember, West Ham, if they hadn't been bought, would have gone into administration because yeah, yeah. it was that yeah. bad. So, and if West Ham had gone into administration, Fernandez probably would have swooped in and bought the club for a fraction of what it cost Golden and, Sullivan. And in it, and he probably would have run West Ham into the ground like he did QPR. Well, or someone just said that, that's that's another assumption. Isn't it? We don't. Know. He, he was suddenly a lifelong West Ham fan, and then he was a lifelong uh, Rangers yeah. fan. But there you go. We we digress too much. Before yeah. before we move on, Josh, you've got any other questions, mate, um, for the guys that we you want answered in particular? 
Uh, no, to be fair, I'm, they're sort of answering all the all the stuff that I had. It's interesting listening. To be fair, yeah, um, yeah all the all the questions sort of. Uh... Josh, thanks very much for coming on, and hopefully yeah. we'll get back on maybe sometime soon for another chat. Cheers, Josh. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Cheers for that. Mate. Um, shall we jump back into the slides, guys? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. yeah. So transfers is the next one, and just one slide all on its own. Yeah, no, this is probably the most contentious one. And this is the one that a lot of Keep people going. called me out when I when I first revealed it and said, nah, it can't be, can't Keep be, going. can't be, can't be. That's go. it. Right, go. Transfers. So, um, <laughs> West Ham have spent, and again, this is in the accounts, 214 million net since move. Now, actually, it doesn't quite add up like that. If you, if you add up all of... I put each year year by year. If you, you add it up, actually, it comes to like... 212 or something i'm quite so it's two million out but i only can work with so two million and 14 is a figure published by the club in in an article and here's the actual numbers so the uh 2016 these are net net prices from the accounts 42 million net spend in 2016 33.6 in 2017 12.1 in 2018 89.5 89.5 Pellegrini effect in 2019, and then coming into the last accounts, uh, 35.7. Um, if you look at all accounts um, um, since um, 2010, it's 285. So before the move, <laughs> the net spend wasn't good, right? For the first uh, six years, it was 85. Uh, well, it wasn't even 85 million, was it? It was, uh, uh, what is that? That's 60 million over, over six years. But it's been 214 million um, since the move to the London Stadium. If there is one damning indictment of where the money's gone, this is it. Now, you could argue, again, we're talking finance today, so let's not talk about whether people are competent, you know, it's been wasted. Whether that's the manager's fault, whether that's the scout's fault, whether that's the ball's fault, or who else, it is up for. It's a subjective thing, but, but well, that's where the money's gone. It's, it's huh? everyone's fault. It's it's everyone's fault. You can't you can't help but think though that when you look at that slide you just put up there and you see the investment under Pellegrini, that that investment was three years too late, and that's where my major issue comes in. You know, we moved for a reason we were we were again it comes down to messaging it was put across to the west ham fans that we were going to sign these two top quality strikers we we failed dramatically with it and ended up with zaza but you know bring that 89 million quid and, and put that yeah. back three years but that, that 89.5 million people have to remember that, that a lot of that stems from the fact that when moy's come in we sold payette in the window and then we sold au in a window which brought in 45 million uh, between the pair of them, I believe, around that figure. So um, it was like we'd we'd banked money in whether they, you know, the, the story is that they knew Pellegrini had been agreed to come in the December. They made sales in the January, only bought Hugo in, and then they, they'd banked a lot of money, profit, and then used that to splurge with the with the increase in sky money i think the new deal was 2018 19 as well so they knew extra tv money was coming in um yeah it, it, it is and, and you know what the, 
this tells a tale more than one because it's not just 214 net since the move to the London Stadium. It's the wages that led to us peaking at 136 million in 2019. You know, the two things, but getting those big money, uh, you know, Billy, big, big bollock um, players, you know, in, we now have a number of people on, on the six figure, you know, 100, 125, obviously, with uh, Hernandez, 145 a week. You know, that's where the money went. Yeah. That's where and, the and money went. Josh goes goes back to Josh's point about recruitment, really, doesn't it? It goes down to um, the philosophy of what West Ham are trying to build. I think we've seen some questions already talking there about the Red Bull model, etc. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's fine saying that now, but you, you try and think back to the, the, the reason why we were sold to the move and, and and the investment at the time. What was yeah. it? Did we bring in something like 10 ish players that season when we were playing in the Europa League qualifying rounds and, and of which yeah. consisted of players like Gokantor, etc. Um we, we we bought a lot of players but not for a lot of money. Yeah. And someone we, just we, raised a really good point saying Chelsea spent that this yeah. this can we just in point the, out that, that do you want to explain the net thing, Sean? Because people are, are, are saying a lot of things here all right so uh, net is very simple it's it's it you take the the profit you it's the sum of the the people um the players you bought in and the players you sold and it's it's the the sum of subtracting one from the other so when you say pellegrini spent 200 million you're not saying he spent it net you're saying that was the total that pellegrini spent correct correct but obviously players were sold um Uh, I don't think I'm saying it in this. I maybe no, no, no. Someone flag it up, and I wanted you to but, explain. That yeah, we're... I mean, you can see obviously not Pellegrini didn't spend all of that. You can see where where Pellegrini came in and and where he started spending. But obviously, you know, we invested in in Bilic, um as well in in his area as well. Yeah, um, I think there's maybe going to be some questions after this slide, so let's try and jump into some of these before we move on. To yeah, of course. Next, let's which let's is... talk transfers. Matt, have you got anything you want to kind of talk about related to the transfers? Um, well, I was just going to go back to that comment about Chelsea. And they were, you know, they're saying we spent 250 million in six years, they spent in one window. Yeah. In fairness, it did just come out that they got 160 million for Hazard. Yes. Which they didn't yeah. spend last year because they had a transfer ban. So that's right. Talk, they are making up. Net spend, they've only spent about 50 million. It's not, you know, it's not a lot. The only issue we've clearly got is that we don't make any profit on our players. If our net spend is continually up, it's again, it goes down to who's making the transfers, who's deciding it. And you can argue that either which way, but the final. Yeah, of course you can. Like, well, I think, I think Nigel's right. It's everybody. It's the type of play. It's also the type of players, the age of the players that we're buying. So basically, the, the, and the best way to explain it is that once we moved, they made, they made certain claims before they moved. When we moved, they did then went into right now we got to deliver instead of trying to deliver before now we got to deliver. So what they had to do was set up a, tra- a, 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 a scouting or whatever. They had to buy players for the there and now. You know they couldn't afford to go out and buy twenty year olds that that they could build up to it because people were now looking at them to deliver. So they wanted quick, fast delivery on the claims that they made. So they were buying players aged 27, 28, 29, or not even 27, 28, 29, 30-year-olds. The problem with doing that is you're paying top dollar for them, 
with the sell-on fee is going to reduce possibly because they're at the top. They're, they're at the top age. It's only downwards from that. And that's why you can see that with the 240 million nets, we've spent 240 million more than we've accrued in transfers. If you go and look at Tottenham, someone at Tottenham that in, in probably not the same period, but the same period that Golden Sullivan of owned West Ham, they sold their best player three years running. But what they did was they, they the, the money that they've sold those players for, they've roughly spent the same. So our net was running far more than Tottenham was up until recently. The way we the way we've done transfer business was so ha- in my this is now my opinion <laughs> haphazard at best in that they were buying players that they hoped would deliver now. So they were you know. They had to come in at their peak because they needed to get this next level off of their back. The thing is, it was a gamble that failed, and now they're they're paying for it. That's the problem. Yeah, basically, you've got a system where behind the scenes, the scouting system isn't great. They're buying players, as you say, it's, it's like scattergun. And uh, you know we are the club that devalue uh, a player, aren't we, or or uh, injure yeah. a player? Yeah. Uh, so basically, that's right. So you know, you take Anderson for example. We put what bought him for forty-two or whatever it was. 30, uh, thirty-four. Uh, he, he, uh, the rest is add-ons, but 34 yeah, add-ons. Okay, thirty-four. Yeah. Okay, so what's he worth now? Two pound fifty. I mean, you know, it's... he's 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 worth he's worth about thirty million euros, according to an. Yeah, I would have said twenty twenty five million at best. Yeah. But bearing in mind, I think he's only got a year and a on his yeah. contract, is he? Yeah. So, so that's what ten million. Look, we've lost we've yeah. devalued ten million, and that's where we're losing massive massively on our the value of our players because yeah. they're just not performing, and we just can't get rid of them. You know? Yeah. So oh, you know, you everyone has to be. God, sorry, the constant change of the manager yeah. means that the manager walks into a club that, and he's got players there that are not his players and may not play to the system that he wants. Yeah. So, therefore, we've got to clear the decks again. And football yeah. clubs know when a club is clearing the decks, those players you can get cheaper because you want them yeah. out of the club. Yeah, we're not selling yeah. higher up, we're selling yeah. lower down. There's yeah. a lot of questions about director of football. Look. We know Sullivan likes to get involved in transfers, always has from his Birmingham yeah. days. You know, we know we rely on a lot of agents. Now, Salt House, before it was, um, what's his name? Uh, Barry Silkman, Barry the favoured one. Before that, it was uh, Willie um, Mackay. What's his name? Mackay. You know, he always has his favoured agents. He took a back seat under Pellegrini, and this is where his mistake happened. He, he got Husilius, who was a great mate of Pellegrini, you know, yeah. the managers is usually supposed to report to the director of football, but it was the other way round. Husilius bought in his own son and Pellegrini's son as their scouts, right? So, you know, maybe we got a, a big name manager that we thought, you know, we that they, they found it difficult to stand up with and, and Sullivan took a back seat, but it was a wrong director of football. I think the only, and, and that's exactly what happened because when they walked out, when they sacked Pellegrini, Husilius... And, he, and then the two sons are left at the same time, leaving us with no scouts. If it's going to work, I think you've got to appoint an independent director of football that's not related to the manager, yeah. that works independently uh, from the manager, but if anything, is more senior than the manager. I know a lot of managers won't don't like that, 
um, then when the manager is sacked, you, you're not losing your scouts and your, your director of football at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's I mean, see. Could we put all this down to a total mismanagement of, of, of the club then? Yes. You know? um, I wouldn't say the club, I'd say transfers. You know, it's clear from what you can see. It, well, it, it, it's got to go from top to bottom. Look, yeah, yeah. Got to, from top to bottom, though. So, you, yeah. you, in order to get the transfers in, you need the manager to locate the relevant player that they want, the right player, the player that fits the mould, and also maybe a manager that's just not going to be a yes man either. Um, yeah. And maybe that's, I'm not saying that that's what you know. I, I've put my by saying that Moyes was a yes man at some point. Maybe he's going to prove me wrong. I don't know, but. Um, it has to go from top to bottom, to be honest. The problem Moyes has got, without digressing quickly, the problem Moyes has got, or we got with Moyes, is the first time he came in, he only had a six-month contract. The second yeah. time he came in, he only had an 18-month contract. We're now allowing Moyes, we're selling players to allow Moyes to buy players. Come Christmas, if we're bottom of the table, they're going to sack him. And then we bring in another manager yeah. who's, got these players here that he's not brought in, yeah. it, it, the, the tumble dryer is still spinning. You say sack him, uh, you mean not renew his contract? Well, no. Come Christmas, if we're bottom, they'll sack him because they won't have the confidence in well, January. He, he got an 18-month contract from memory. But he's had six months of it. So come Christmas, oh, I got, yeah, only I've have got six, months, six left. months left. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, got you. So... And, and just to answer one of your things, yeah, I do think uh, the board should... Um, appoint a independent director of football and i do think i'll go one step further here i do think that we should employ a football see uh, 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 an experienced football ceo as well and Brody, move, yeah. uh, hang on and, <laughs> and move <laughs> and move the vice chairman in a non-executive role onto the board Brody, isn't yeah. true isn't it true that in moise's first stint he actually identified quite quickly um lots of problems uh within the fabric of west ham <clears throat> and that's why he was so gutted not to be uh have his uh you know contract extended after that six months because he, he was basically saying you've got so many problems within the fabric of the club you need to have this sorted he, out he, he said that publicly yeah in, in yeah, an yeah. interview i mean, I mean that's, that's the kind of thing a manager really wants to do he said oh well i was a bit upset and and when he came back this time out and actually, yeah. he said, actually, I've, nothing's changed. It was a dig at Pellegrini. Yeah. Actually, nothing's yeah. changed from the time I left. Exactly. Uh, to answer some question, uh, would, do you think Sullivan and Gold should sell up? I think if, if they get the valuation uh, they want, then they should sell up. They should, they, I don't think they will stand in the way of someone that would take the club forward. I honestly believe that. People may say I'm, I'm skirting around it. If a proper... Um, investor came in that could take West Ham forward and paid, didn't try and get it on the cheap, paid a decent amount of money for what West Ham's worth. Remember, Forbes say it's worth nearly 500 million themselves. I don't think they'll stand in the way. Honestly, do. We're going to talk about that in some more slides anyway in the soon. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's get back into these slides. Uh, Alf, you're heading. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm going to have to go. Cheers, lads. Cheers, Alf. Thanks, Nigel. Cheers, Alf. Right, let's get jump back into these slides. And keep the questions coming in. Listen, let me remind you, though, that these are um, based 
all these slides and all this chat tonight is based on a lot of facts. It's very easy for us to digress and and, and give us your our personal opinion. But tonight, what we're trying to do is bring to you as many facts as we possibly can. And it's not pro-board. It's not negative board. It's straight up. Uh, that one. Yeah, that's it. So let's, let's, we're going to talk about <laughs> Boleyn uh, ground being sold now. And we're going to talk about um, the move to the stadium in this bit. So look. The way the bowling ground, look, land registry, you can do your own search on this on the internet. Um, the, the, the bowling ground, uh, years before um, we moved, was put up in an open auction. They, they went to some people. It's the land that they're selling, not a stadium. Stadium had no value. So um, they put it in an open auction uh, uh, or a sealed auction, actually, sealed bid auction. And when they opened it up, uh, the highest bid was 38 million from Galliard. The second highest bid, by the way, and this is an inside source thing, was 32 million. So, they, uh, if you hear the rumours, oh well, Spurs bid for it, and we we took the second lowest bid. That's not true. They took the highest bid, 38 million. Uh, that was the price of land at the moment. You can say whether that was a good deal, bad deal. That was the commercial open. That's what developers wanted to pay for it. Um, in the accounts, you'll see in previous years. Um, the, the stadium valued at 75 million. That's just for insurance purposes and valuation of assets. There is no market to sell a stadium unless you're a Premier League club, right? So you can't really sell a stadium for 75 million to another Premier League club. They're unlikely to buy your ground, really. It, so, so it was never really valued. That was the land. So, so they sold it for 38 million. Uh, it's in the land registry to Galliard under a company called Bowling Phoenix. Galliard did some project management on it, looked at it, and they didn't fancy it, and they flipped it to sell it to Barrett London can, for forty million. Can I million. quantify why they flipped it? I don't know why they flipped well, it. Well, uh, they had a dispute with Newham Council. Oh, over, yeah, they, oh, they did. Yeah, you're right. Over the amount of social housing that was Correct. needed to be yeah, put into right. the development, and and Galliard have a long history of avoiding social housing as part of their developments. And because Newham was standing fast, I think they wanted 10% social housing, which would have been 80 units. Um, then Galliard decided we're not going to do it. And Barrett uh, were happy to do it. Barrett do do developments with social housing. So they then sold it for whatever they did. Yeah. Now, Barrett London have done very well out of it. You know, they've done Upton Gardens, etc. Uh, and they look like they probably made a lot of profit. Um, the money we got, the 38 million, and, and some of it was paid really early. Uh, 15 million went to the contribution for the London Stadium conversion, went straight to the, the taxpayer. Six million was to fit out the club shop and the offices because we had to pay for that. So that was another six million. We paid two million for the claret and blue seats believe it or not, and another 250 grand on the on the green carpet. We paid for the green carpet and not the other one. Um, West Ham in the accounts recorded a, a, a declared an £8 million profit on the sale of the bowling ground. And, and there's a, this conspiracy theory that goes around, and I'll just say what's in the accounts. Um, in the in bowling, they, they posted a, a £19 million profit, right? And people have said Oh, you know, th there's been claims that the board were involved and they were taking back handers and everything. There is no evidence or substance to that whatsoever. The shareholders of Bolin Felix are Galliard directors, so it's Galliard, and a, a company called 
Mount Pleasant Developments that's owned by a chap called Vincent Goldstein, who's a property developer. If anything, he's got connections to Spurs, funny enough, <laughs> and not to West Ham. And, and who knows? It's a question for them how they made a £19 million profit. But when you look at the accounts and you look at the land registry, it shows you the land was sold for 38 million and then it was flipped for 40 million i can't explain where the 19 million profit was made by galliard but that's a question for galliard and not for west ham and not for the directors it's a question for galliard and mount pleasant developments sean you mentioned there in that that obviously west ham the the stadium was sold for about 38 million and some of that money was paid up front. How early up front was that money paid? Myself and you, Nigel, had a conversation before we yeah, started. Yeah, I think it was like 2013, some of it. I believe it was at the end of 2013 or yeah. early 2014 when the sale was announced. And the, um, that's when the, that is when it was done. So people have to bear in mind, because a lot of people think 2016 when we moved is when we sold the ground. The, 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 all the values were done back in... Now, I'm not a property developer, so I don't know if land was worth more or worth less. But but the fact is that they sold it and then managed to secure... I think it was something like 50% up front um, because a charge was put on the ground um, once the sale was made uh, yeah. by the that, prospective owners. Yeah, so, so Bowling Phoenix actually put a charge on... If you look at the accounts and company's house, they put a charge on the property bowling ground to say you know we own a share of this it can't and, be sold without and someone flagged up there basically saying what i said was rubbish about the social housing <laughs> and whatever galliard homes actually um had models built they did marketing and they did other other things i attended two meetings um that were, were public consultations that were in the school next door to the ground in this regards that was galliard homes so Galliard's claim that the two million profit was for their expenses because they That's did right. actually produce modelling of how the ground would be laid out. I went and viewed the modelling. I've got photographs of the models themselves, actually, of, of when I was at the public consultation meeting in the school next door to the bowling opposite um, Castle Street. So that was the big problem at the time the reason why Galliard in the end pulled out. And and, it, and the fact I know that is because Galliard did a development in the um, Royal Docks area of Newham where they bypassed the social housing and paid the fine to Newham because they worked out it would save them money paying the yeah. fine to Newham than it would be to actually put the social housing in and devalue the properties. It's a, it's a, big, it's a big deal, though, receiving half of that money back in 2013 you know when i heard that you know that money's been in gone before you yeah, did yeah it did but yeah, west ham were in money trouble back then weren't they yeah they were yeah they were oh like i like that what's happened to most of the stuff in the bowling ground most of it's in nigel's shed well obviously most of the stuff in the bowling ground was sold off at auction not all of it you know if you're a director of the company you could uh, you could get the uh, bowling get gates withdrawn from the sale, yeah, and put in your garden. Uh, but there you go. Um, and actually, the money that, that they made uh, from the auction, I think, was declared in the accounts. Yeah, um, it wasn't a lot. Twenty sixteen seventeen night no, wasn't a lot. Yeah. No. Anyway, let's move on from Excellent. that. Look, I don't know where how they made nineteen million, but. You know, that's for Galliard and not a West Ham question. Yeah. 
Um, so the move to the stadium, look, the, the promise was that the move to the stadium would make us a lot of money, right? And that's why we're moving. So in this slide, I've removed the farewell season because it was an exceptional year. And when I say an exceptional year, we sold more tickets. We put up the prices. We we sold more merchandise in that farewell to bowling year than, than any other year. And therefore, it was disproportionate. So I've based on the revenue in the previous year. They put on a ultimate uh, season. So 2014-15. Ticket revenue at the bowling ground was 20 million quid that year. Uh, a retail was 7 million. It's a club shop. And the commercial activities, hospitality and sponsorship was 14 and a half. Now, if we look at 2019, ticket revenue, as we saw earlier, is 27 and a half. Uh, so that's up seven and a half. Um, retail is 8.5. So that's up a million and a half. And the big one is commercial activities and sponsorship. Uh, 27 and a half. Now that's up 13 million. So what is it worth to us? If you take away the TV income and everything else, it's worth around £22 million a year in income from moving to the London Stadium. Now Nigel's going to go, well, sponsorship might have come and you might well, have done let, this let and let that. Let me do my bit then. Let go me on then, do your bit, Nigel. What, what Sean hasn't taken into consideration now, when you look at commercial activities, uh, mainly sponsorship, it, it raises it up. Basically, that's presupposing that the same sponsorship deals wouldn't have been cut at the bowling ground. Sponsorship, all you've got to look at, you know, we've, we're probably about to announce our own toothpaste supplier or something <laughs> like that. We've got our specialist telecoms people. We've got cloud people. We've got shirt sponsors. We're getting short sponsors. You know, all these new sponsorship, we've got official airline, even though no one's flying anymore. So God knows how long either. But they're not very much. Off. You know, at best, these are but, 250 grand a year, most but of these But when you add them up together, they all add up and they knock down that total move. You're claiming a £22 million per year. That's inflated by sponsorship deals. I'll give you that the hospitality has obviously increased. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The hospitality is where we made a lot of money. Look, your sponsorships could have done, but I do believe the sponsorships worth a lot in a London stadium. It's more attractive to sponsors. Yeah, no, no. If you uh, but I only can deal with facts in, in yeah. the company accounts, as I told you earlier. Prior <laughs> to the move, people, when I used to complain about the move, the one reason I always pointed, the reason we're moving is because of the, um, the commercial uh, and the um, executive people will, will be inflated the money. It was nothing to do with... I mean, the fact is, you can see, they only get a million for the, the shops, twice the size than it was, yet they're only making a million a year. Ticket revenue. We've, we've, we've tripled nearly our season ticket holders. So if you looked at 20, the season Sean used, 2014-15 season, probably only had 22,000 season ticket holders that season. Mm. We're now up to 54,000. So, yeah. in, you know, and yet we've only raised that by 7 million in ticket revenue. So the reason for mm. the move is bailed out there. Commercial activity, hospitality and sponsorship. It was never yeah. about us. Yeah, so someone asked how much they paid to blow up the bowling. A, a funny question about that. <laughs> Nothing. Um, it, it, by then, the land owned was belong, belonging to someone else. 
but the producer of the film was, was someone we knew. So, <laughs> the, 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 you, you know the story, yeah, Antoine? No, I don't actually know. Well, the, the, the film was uh, produced by, by one of the executive producers was David Sullivan. Oh, oh, right. Sorry. No. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you go, well, you're going to knock it down anyway. Let's blow it yeah. up, you know. Yeah. So uh, they got favourable uh, access before it all got ripped down. Of course they did with that with that mega scene of them across the stadium <laughs> roof. <laughs> the motorbike. Yeah. Um, we've got questions here. So what's this uh, for Freezy? Why upsell the stadium seating um, being pitch side and no admission or apology of failures regarding the transition? Um trying to work out what that means well, I, I mean what, that I, I think what they're saying is the david gold claim there about the um seats being further forward mm. and everything else like that in fairness that was to do with the um wasn't that to do with the rolling seating they had no because like the park de france what what people fell for was um they 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 think that because the seating company building the original seating retractable seating yeah, that, yeah, uh, company right. went bust they believed that the seats um were, were, were put in the position they were because of that that's false the, the, the scaffolding seats are in exactly the correct position as per the drawings that were issued in 2012 after they cancelled the original bid. The original bid when West Ham went for it in 2010 was no retractable seating. Yeah. All the seats would have been f pushed further back. So the 19,000 seating downstairs in the lower tier was done in the next bid after it all collapsed because of Tottenham mm -hmm. and Orient going to court. They then came up with the retractable seating. Uh, the seats are actually in the exactly correct position, or they were when they curved. Obviously, we've got new stands, but as they were always planned to be, and I yeah. actually can prove that. Fair <laughs> I've got are you? Enough. Is it a GSP? Are you a, having a GSP loving then, Anton? The comment <laughs> just come up. Uh, <laughs> um, look, uh, look. That question is more about marketing, and we're talking about finances day. We, we, most people know it was missold, and you could do another story just on the marketing and, and spin. We're yeah. talking about finance. All we're talking about today is finance. It was worth around, you know, whether twenty, a maximum of twenty-two million. Uh, to move and and it quite rightly people say was it worth it if if i know people were asking um should we have stayed at the bowling ground that we we have got um Keep that planning permission we've got planning permission given to me by nigel that showed that we could have gone made it at forty thousand, etc um it was possible but you know what at the end of the day the board said you know when they bought the club they had this in the mind and it was too good an opportunity to turn down from a financial point of view. Two million rent and 99 million, the, the, the massive stadium. It was a business option, too good to turn down. Was it good for fans with hindsight? No. Well, answer that question. Yeah, come on. What? Sean, would, 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 you, would you still move stadiums despite minimal difference in money? Knowing everything you know now. Do you know what? I I want to say no, I wouldn't, right? But I think I have rose tinted glasses, so I remember the shit food and the warm beer and the concrete and and queuing up ages and uh, and not being able to get backwards and forwards from the bowling ground. I think with with age, we we sort of forget 
the bowling ground had its transport problems and catering problems and everything else. The question, though, was it? The question was, knowing what you know now, if you knew what you knew now, would you have still supported the move? No. There you no. Go. And I the people, yeah, was when we met, I was I was one of the, the, the anti-people in a very small crowd, and Sean was the chief cheerleader. And I'm not doing him a disservice by calling him that. But you know, it was it was it, it was tough not to be, or to be honest, you know, Nigel. I've said this it to you. Wasn't before. the only one, you know. Let, let you know at the end of the day, Sean will tell you SAB meetings. You know, three quarters of the SAB meetings were in favour. There were some that wavered, and 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 probably five percent were against. And maybe maybe if social media was such a a force. <laughs> yeah, imagine if Twitter was going strong. I mean, but, it was yeah, around. I, mean, I, I only joined Twitter to uh, the only reason I became social media, or well, I weren't even social media savvy, was because of uh, to try and get the, the 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 thing out that we've got to stop the move. So yeah. you, you can look. I only joined Twitter in October 2010. And but maybe if that had Good been. For that. If things were different and maybe that message had got out, people may have start, started to see a little bit of sense. You know, you said the other day, Nigel, that someone had brought up a, an old tweet of yours when you tweeted yeah. the gold about he was saying... 2014. Yeah. yeah, 2014. But again, people weren't seeing that and it was just... It's just the missold information to me, to mm. be honest. That, that, that's the... That was the selling point. Anyway, uh, we, we want to get back to finances because... Uh, so, yeah, yeah, on, uh, on the finances... Go on. I know um, you made a comment about there's not much difference in the season ticket prices, you know, the money made from the season ticket sales. Yeah. And you do have to at least give them the fact that that is because they've made a lot of season tickets cheaper. Yeah. You could have rightly sat around and said, you know, the cheapest season ticket is, was it five, six hundred quid it was at the Bowl Inn? Yeah. And if done that, they would have made a lot more oh, money. Well, they actually it's made that. it. Well, that's Sorry. the point I'm saying. They're only charging, I still only pay £300 a year for my ticket. Yeah, yeah, but the reason for that is, yeah. So if you t if you take the banding at uh, uh, Upton Park and replicate that in the London Stadium, and, and people laughed at me when I said this, yeah. So you're band five. So if you sat back row behind the goal uh, on the Bobby Moore stand, the equivalent seat at Upton Park would have been in the Tesco's on the Barking Road opposite the chip shop. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So if you remember where Urkan's Fish and Chip Shop was on the Barking yep. Road where the mural is, right on the corner, right right yeah. the Tesco's across the road, yeah. that's where the back row of the seats used, not, not of the actual stadium, but the back row of the seats used would have been sitting above that Tesco's, mm -hmm. 300 foot in or 250 foot in the air. So therefore, if you're paying in the Bobby Moore upper, band three as it was, to go to Tesco's, you'd only want to pay band five. And yeah. that's no, 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 why yeah. you, you have I'm to have saying, it. They sell them that cheap because mm. if they don't, nobody will bloody pay for it. Mm. Anton, this is why our podcast go on for three hours because he digresses and goes off at tangent. He digresses and goes on. <laughs> he digresses. Yeah. People <laughs> ask a question, I have to answer it, don't I? <laughs> Listen, so we get back into the... Yeah, yeah uh, let's do that. Next one. An interesting one. This is going to be one that lots of fans are, are going to be interested in, which is the... Well, one day it'll happen. Yeah, the sale. Of, uh, what what would it look like if we were to sell the club? So let me just get the slide up for you. Um, keeps jumping back for some weird reason, and we will be there. And two seconds. Yeah. And there you go. Uh, go back one. Go back one. Go back one. There you go. Yes. There you go. Yeah. So um, so basically, look, there's a lot of talk about this that in the concession agreement, which. I, I feel I know back to front because I've obviously released under freedom of information. Um, if West Ham, in the first five years, there were different things. But in the second five years, we're in the second five years, the agreement was signed in 2013. So if, if West Ham is sold uh, between 200 and 300, uh, over more than 200 million, then the owners need to pay what's called a share premium. Um, the, the agreement... Uh, that was signed in, in March 2013 includes clauses uh, that says um, that if the club is sold between 200 and 300 million, they have to pay 12.5% in the last five years and anything over 300 million, 20%. So the way this works is your first 200 million, tax-free. The next 100 million, 12.5%. Everything over 300 million, is twelve uh, is twenty percent. Now, you are allowed to subtract bank loans, sub, uh, shareholder loans, and most likely the rights issue from that tax calculation. Now, before we get into it, we go to the second slide. I'm gonna. I've given you a range of valuations. First, let's start by Karen Brady's own website, and uh, this is always amusing because she values West Ham on her own website, KarenBrady.com. You can look at it now. Eight hundred million. It has been the same for some time. Uh, the reported shareholder valuation from a senior source, I always signpost that, is 500 million. Forbes, the US big financial house, uh, April 2020, so not that long ago, values West Ham at $616 million. That's $474 million. Uh, and finally, at the other end, price of football, Kieran Maguire, good friend of uh, us on the podcast, 
valuation is just 248 million pounds using the Markham uh, multi uh, model, um, which which looks at the at various different um, size of the ground capacity, etc., and turnover. So all I'll say is at the moment, uh, and there's some wild variations between 250 million and, and 800 is. A football is a, a club is only worth what someone is prepared to pay for it, okay. And what I'll say is, uh, Newcastle, Mike Ashley hated by his fans, uh, maybe as much or if more than than Sullivan and Gold and Brady, uh, has tried to be selling Newcastle for three hundred million. It looks like a, a sale was about to happen and it's fallen through because no one wanted the Saudis. Um, no one in the Premier League. Uh, it, it, it is, as I said earlier, you have to. I know there's lots of rumours going around. I don't believe any of them. Um, it's difficult to do this. I don't think the 2013 is a reason. And I'll tell you why. Because the next slide, if we can go to it, Anton, will show what we'd have to pay. Um, well, in fact, we, we've uh, we've got a shareholding here. Maybe it's the next one after that. Is Maybe I'll move to them. Yeah, London Stadium tax. Tax, yeah. yeah. Tax, we'll come back to shareholding in a minute. So, if it, look, I'm going to take a conservative estimate of 300 million. So that's that's the price that um, Newcastle is being sold. So if the club was sold for 300 million pound tomorrow, before because everyone said no, no they're going to wait to March 2023, they would be able to exclude um, the 45 million they're owed. That, that's allowed, and the 10 million owned Trip Smith. The rights issue of 30 million be able to exclude it as well because they invested that and possibly the bank loan of 40 million as well if it hadn't been paid off at that time all allowed under the contract so that would take the qualifying amount down to 165 million in which case no tax would be due um so what's that say sorry that's not quite sure and it's adjusted consideration sale minus debt plus amounts paid to GS since 2013. Um, I, I'm not sure what Aaron is quite saying there, um, but if he could explain it more, I would I would uh, look at it. But, Sean, just before you carry on, just to let people know, there's loads of comments coming in there. Let, let, let me just explain something. We're just trying to bring you some of the facts. There's no, there's no, no one in here that's going pro board, anti-board. This is just a transparent, you know, show that's given you some information on some uh, some of the questions that's been asked over the last coming weeks or last years i should say so um i i, I get that people are angry i get people are upset but we're just trying to give you a, a yeah a we're just talking about finances you yeah. can make what you want we're not talking about subjective things whether they've done a good thing bad thing whether they're mis running the company we're well, just talking about finances you know what you think of our opinions you can look back at other shows so you can <laughs> yeah, uh, the bigger amount is actually capital gains tax. So, you know, the way capital gains tax works is you have to pay tax on something. You, so if you buy shares for a, a certain amount of money and you, you sell them at a profit, you have to pay capital gains tax on that. So if you look at the next slide, um, you know, it, it actually, if, if we take an, all right, we're guesstimating this, and I, I get what Nigel says, that some of this money might have not been the shares. But if we look at what the, the amount of the shares were bought, and we, we might need to go back a few, 130.5 million is what we estimate. So if we hear there, so this is 
this is where I've got them a little bit out of order. So in 2010, Sullivan and Gold paid £52.5 million to buy 50% of the shares, right? <laughs> Valuing the club at Untram. In May that year, they increased to 60%. So they bought an, another 10%, uh, paying £8 million. £4 million went to the Icelandics. £4 million went into the club. So it got up to £60.5 million. 2013, uh, David Sullivan paid another 20, uh, 25.5 million to buy a further 26% of the club, um, later selling some to, to David Gold. Uh, Harris family, Terry Brown, Karen Brady, she was probably gifted her, got 3.8% of the time. It's now 3.4. They paid 4 million quid. And Trip Smith got 10%. He's thought to pay either somewhere between 9.5 or 10.5 million for his 10% shares. He, he also had to do it. Um, and, and they all had to put in a rights issue of 30 million in July this year. They don't get anything out of that. They've just buying their own shares again. Uh, one of the shareholders didn't put into that. So uh, Sullivan went from 51.1 to 51.5. So he's increased his shareholding. But if we so, go back. So that to shareholder only owed 0.4% of the club. So if you look at it the doesn't Harris quite family, like Terry Brown and Karen Brady, I'll leave you to make your mind up who's the <laughs> minimum shareholder like there and who didn't put the money in. So if we if we go to the capital gains tax again, so we need to go too forward. Sorry, I mucked up the slides, Anton. So so it means if if I mean they could have capital gains losses that they could offset these, but but looking at this. This is the one where it would really cost them the tax. If it's sold for 800 million that Brady say, they have to pay 20% tax on the profit, which is 134 million. 500 million, which is the one they would have to pay 74 million. You know, 350 million, it's, it's 44 million. And if it's 300 million, which is the more realistic one, it's still 34 million. That is got to be paid after 2023. It doesn't matter. Capital gains tax is capital gains tax. You know, and, and, and everybody goes, oh, they won't sell before 2023. And, and that, like this is magic day. I, I don't think that's a real element where the tax comes. It's a small element because you can offset your debts uh, and, and just pay a premium. That's a small amount compared to the capital gains tax. So there is nothing to stop them selling now. And, I, and, I, and I've said this earlier. I think if a big enough offer came in and they thought that, uh, that people could t take them further. I think they take it like a shot. Mm. Are we going to stop there, or was there a, a, Ooh, another one slide? more? Aren't there? One slide. Means well. Should we just go through it and then get on to yeah. some of the questions? Yeah, last one. So this is the last slide, <laughs> uh, and, and probably the most contentious. So uh, Brady wages and bonuses. When David Sullivan took over and, and David Gold, they said. Uh, they were paying Karen Brady out of their own pockets for the first six months. Oh, we've lost it. Do you want me to back. read it out? Yeah, why don't you read it out? Because uh, you no, love this. this yeah, this. I love this one. This is the one I like. I like. So, the, so, as he said, they only said they would pay Brady's wages for the first six months, not not forever. So that was only up to the end of, of the season of 2010. So then from uh, the all, uh, July of 2010, Brady was on the books, and you probably find that's when they got rid of Scott Duxbury as well. It was no, who was the CEO when they bought the club, and was then moved aside. 
the 2011 accounts show the Hammers vice chairman or uh, or Brady as, as, as well. That ain't what I like to call her, but we will for this. She was paid 256,000 pound. So this is what her wages were. She's the only director of the club that receives a wage. So in the that's accounts, not true. Uh, what because now now uh, the CFO and the the executive oh, would, right. director out of the free, then. So <laughs> out of the free yeah. Brady, Correct. She's the only one that gets a wage. Correct. And the highest paid director of the club, I should say, was paid two hundred and fifty-six thousand. Correct. So we then go forward to four hundred and twenty-seven thousand in twenty twelve, and then in twenty thirteen. One point six three million pound. Now the reason for that was twenty thirteen was when the deal was sealed, or twenty twelve twenty thirteen was when they sealed the move to the Olympic Stadium, and that incorporates Karen Brady's one million pound bonus. Uh, so her wages had actually gone up from four hundred and twenty seven four hundred and twenty seven thousand to six hundred and thirty four thousand million pound bonus on top she wasn't given a million straight it was paid over a cut few years but it's shown in the accounts as one it that's there uh, it says it was paid over five years it was 2014 uh, a basic rate rose to six hundred and thirty six thousand pound so just uh just a two thousand pound rise, and then in 15 she got another 10 grand rise to six hundred and forty six thousand pound Still on the up, though West Ham ain't really on the up. <laughs> oh, 2016, she's gone up again. She's now on a £907,000, even though in 2017 she took a wage cut uh, of, what are we looking at, £32,000 to £868,000. Obviously, it was a bad year for West Ham 2017, if you remember. It was when Moyes originally kept us up, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> 2018 was another bumper year, it says here. So that's Sean's word, people. Bumper year. I'm not adding that in. <laughs> she got 898,000. But then this is a bit contentious. She also received 438,000 uh, pounds, which was paid to a Brady company she controls for introducing Trip Smith as an investor. She got uh, like a finder's fee, basically. Yeah, yeah she, she, did. she found someone that David Sullivan already knew, though. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah, they were they already knew each other, so we can make our own minds up about that. Uh, then, in the accounts released in twenty twenty for twenty nineteen, the pay is now uh, one point one three six million, twenty seven percent rise on last year. So, in total, Karen Brady has taken out of the club £7.85 million in eight years. But she has took a 30% pay cut during COVID lockdown, along with Moyes and the chief financial officer, Mr. Andy Mollitz. Uh, and that, that, so that, that ends the... So I'll leave it up to the fans to decide whether in the 7.85 million over eight years, bearing in mind she's been there 10 years, so we've still got to wait to see. Six months they paid, uh, they paid her, it wasn't the club. 
And then we've still got to see the wages for the next year to be added on. So it's quite possible she's took out nearly £9 million. Yeah. Um, and, so she's and, about to join Hugo. Yeah. Anton, just, just, just to uh, reinforce, uh, enforce what... Look, lots of people have been saying the reason we did this tonight was people are saying, where's the money gone? We just got £100 million for this. We haven't spent this. It was just to lay, these are the facts, and people can make their own decisions on the board, on Brady, on transfers, on managers and everything else. You're right. It, what, it's not supposed to be pro-board. It's not supposed to be anti-board. It's just saying, let's just set some facts out there that are in the accounts. And, and hopefully we've gone some way to do that. I mean, I mean, for me, this this was about. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of stories going around. You know, as I say, people think they're siphoning off the money. People think they're taking the money out, putting it in the in the bank. You know, they're they're taking all this money out, loan repayment. It, what we've shown here, actually, um, and I think if Sean said this, he'd probably be lynched. But as a, a, a you know, as a, a a decade now of being GSB out, they've actually. The club owes them money, but they're probably neutral on what they've took out. They've actually put back in, thanks to the £30 million, uh, that was put back in on the white issue. So they've equaled it out. Now, let's face it. They only did that because of the world COVID problem. If if COVID hadn't have turned up, they wouldn't have put the £30 million in. So take that as you will. But the fact is... Is that and that is a fact that they've put what they've took out, they've had to put back in. So the club at the moment sitting neutral, but the interest is still going up on the rise. But I can't. This is me taking a wild punt here. I can't see them taking money out at this moment until the club. If you look at the years they took money out, it was when the club was making profit. Yeah, was. now the club's not making profit. They won't take money out. So. Um, and it's possibly most of that loan will be repaid when they sell the club. So, uh, Pete, Peter Jones, do you want me to answer that one? Yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I mean, they're not, they're not two billionaires. Um, only Su Sullivan's a billionaire. And, and, and actually, <laughs> interesting story. Now, actually, if, if you take the share ownership of Sullivan away, he's not a billionaire either. He's only a billionaire. You know, it's a chicken and egg thing. He's only a billionaire with his shareholdership of West Ham. Well, you can't use your wealth from owning West Ham to fund West Ham. It doesn't work like that. So, you know, if, if it's valued at 500 million by the Sunday Times, then, you know, he's 1.1 million, uh, 1.1 billion. Actually, he's, he's a multimillionaire. Don't get me wrong. He's still 900 million, but most of that's in property. You know, he, he founded his business on sex shops, and Paul, we all know that he's he's not ashamed of that, but he he earned his money actually because landlords wouldn't lend him or lease him properties. He started buying property to run his sex shops, and that's how he built his property empire. That's how he's made most of his money. Um, but look, and, and someone did say that you know he has been investigated. Uh, it's been public on 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 tax. Uh, that's a matter of public record. Uh, both at Birmingham and a private tax affairs. You know, again, I'm not his apologist, but but with when you earn billions, you employ probably tax consultants to uh, allow you to, um, I don't know, sell close to the wind. 
But, you know, again, it comes back to people are coming in still in the chat and GSB out and listen, again, like I've said, go back and look at the videos of, of all of us probably over yeah. the last couple of weeks, if not past couple of years, you'll see our, our real opinion come out on the show. But messaging was the biggest factor for me. Yes, okay, sometimes I've fallen into the trap of going, where is the money, where is the money? But there was a point when the board were all talking, no action, and that's the message. And I think a lot of fans are feeling that now. Um, I think a lot of fans felt that back then when we moved from Upton Park. You know, I'll never forget, and let me just remind people of this, the last game ever at Upton Park against Manchester United, the next day Sky Sports spent the whole day at Upton Park, I don't know if you remember that, and reported from the stadium. That's when they started to do the interview with David Sullivan, and at yeah. the bottom was the ticker going along, the yellow ticker, saying West Ham investing into the world-class striker that they're looking for for the move to the stadium. That's where it all broke. You know, I remember watching it, feeling nostalgia, and sold, absolutely gone. I'd been already been to the stadium, mm. bought my season ticket for the new thing, you know, sold by the videos. But tonight's video was related around money. People are always money. talking about £20 million pounds comes in from Dean Ghana. Where is that money going? The five the 2.6 million that comes in from Hugo, where's that going? The money that was spent under Pellegrini, you've seen it in the accounts. So yeah. Like I mean, this this is the reason we're in the trouble, and this is why we've got to sell to buy. My understanding is all the, the, the you know, 26 million from those three players will be available to Moyes, uh, and they will try everything to. Um, spend that before the transfer window closes. I saw someone else um, say, I'm not going to buy a shirt because I don't want to put money in their pockets when they're not investing. Actually, it's our club and we're funding the club. You know, our season tickets, us buying shirts, we fund the club, right? It's our club to fund. The, the, it's, it's clear now that the, the ball don't want to invest any more of their own money beyond the 30 million they, they put in in the rights issue. So actually, when you say, I'm not going to renew my season ticket, I'm not going to buy a shirt, I'm, I'm not going to spend in the club shop, it doesn't really hurt the board. It hurts us because it means we're in more financial trouble and, and, and we're, you know, it becomes self-petuating. You know? I don't have comments coming in there saying, here comes the agenda to spend. I don't think it's an agenda to spend. I think there's a genuine, you know, okay there's fans out there that are maybe wanting to bleed the owners dry, which by bleeding the owners dry potentially. Will, affect will that drive them out though? Well, it might, it might not, but it will affect the club that we love and want to be yeah. successful. Some, someone asked that. me and I'll, ask, I'll, I'll do a straight question. Someone said, do you think it's time to go? I totally agree that, um, that, and someone's just said there, no, it does not hurt the board. Sure. No, it doesn't. Um, I totally agree that if an offer, a fair offer comes in, a proper valuation, let's take Forbes, let's try and be independent. A um, a Forbes valuation of 475 million comes in of a fit and proper owners that haven't borrowed the money or anything else. I don't want Glazers or anyone else. Then I, I would absolutely say it's time to go. You've taken the club as far as you can. Time to move over. Um, get your life a presidency, get your seat like Terry Brown in, in the director's box, sell the club, move over and let someone else come in. But you know what? Here's the big point. Someone needs to come in to buy the club and nothing will happen. You can do all the GSB outs you want, but in, unless someone wants to buy the club for a price that the board are prepared to sell, nothing will happen. Mm. You can bring a director of football in. You can replace the CEO. 
you can change the manager, but you can't change the shareholders unless someone's prepared to buy the shares for a price they're prepared to sell. That's so, the hard. You know, you know a question maybe a lot of people would ask is maybe they're not actively, or maybe they are, but the the the, the money talks, so the board will sell for the right money. Yeah, are we, are we all in agreement for that? Yeah. Um. So they're maybe not actively out there looking, but is it? Could we go as far as saying that they have a get out clause, and they potentially want to use that get out clause? I don't. I don't know what you mean. Get out clause. Like get get away from West Ham. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I I think look look they were driven out of Birmingham. And I think that's what a lot of people are, uh, are hoping for. You know, they're not the youngest of people. Um, and, and, you know, this must put them under pressure. Well, I know it puts them under pressure. I think it's David Gold's birthday tomorrow. I think he's Is 84. It? I hope you wish him happy birthday. I look, will wish him something. <laughs> but but it, it's very easy for us to say they're only in it for the profit. But, you know, I think it's more about their family. Neither of them are young people. They've probably got more money than they need to do. And I know that's in direct opposition to saying, well, why won't they put more money in? Well, they probably want to give it to their children. Um, this may come an issue of what their children want to do with the club. You know, they've said a long time they want to bequeath it to their children, their shares, and and, and go down to the next generation. Whether that happened, I don't know. Um, I say it depends whether someone comes in with the money uh, or not. Um, and then it becomes whether, whether they're, you know, Jack and Vanessa and... Jacqueline and um, and young Dave wants to do it. That um, you don't have to sell something. You know, if you own a possession, we we may think it's our club, but they own the shares to it between all of them. Yeah. Um, equally, though, they have a responsibility, as people are saying, to run and, and and make make the fans experience. You know, you buy a football club for a reason. If they're buying a football club just to try and come out of it, it with profit, at the end of it, it's just the sole wrong reason. But you I buy a football. You buy a football club for a reason, though, which is to give something back to the fans. The fans are the ones that got to pay the money. And if you're going to be losing people like season tickets, like we're discussing, loads of people in the chat here are saying, I'm not renewing the season ticket. Don't spend money in the shop. What, what, what's that turned West Ham into? What's that turned us into? And this is the point that fans are trying to make. They're they're just angry. They can't take it anymore. Yep. It's driven I get that. us I get that. But that's the only action that actually how the fans show their distrust uh, and 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 their their disgust is to withdraw their money to send a message. You know, it's a bit hard for me to say that because you know I ain't gonna get my money. They get less out of me than they ever. That will. I don't know about that. There has been years where they've got even less than what they get out of me now, and they only get three hundred quid. But um. So that's another story. Believe me, they they you know before they used to get more money out of me. But I, I what for me, I hope people will get out of this is for me the facts bury them without having to come up with wild theories, without having to say, Oh, they're money grabbers, they've taken all the money out of the club. For me, this shows they haven't taken the money out of the club. They're just incompetent at running yeah. the club. Yeah. The, the the actions, everything David Gold said, or sorry, everything the senior source put out that he gave to Jim White to repeat about why they sold Dear Garner technically was true. They failed to acknowledge their part in all the mistakes previously. And that's how we've got to this part. It's easy to say he's the only player they bid 
we were, we are load, overloaded with players that can play wide. You know, we didn't want to sell him, but at the end of the day, if he's the only one that bid and we need defenders, we do need defenders. He was the only one that's bid for. We are we are covered in wide areas. Yeah, all true. But the, how we got to that position, as we've just shown you with these accounts and everything, is year after year, they've made mistakes, made mistakes, made mistakes. Mm. And it's all built up. And also, I'm sure we'll all agree, even Sean, they oversold the move in their desperation to get the people on side, to not listen to people like me. They oversold it. And the problem is, as I've said time and time again, and I said it a long time before the move, by overselling it, if they can't keep the promise, they'll be held to pay. And that's what they're paying now. I've got no sympathy for the, the, the crap that they get now. I think it, I think I'd like to think they realise now that the, that the fan base is predominantly against them. That it's time to start putting into place the mechanisms to sell a club. You don't sell a club overnight, and you generally don't sell a club now in three to five months. It takes ages to cultivate mm. someone to come in. They've got to do the due diligence and everything. And with the world as it is at the moment. You know, it could be, it could take two years for them to sell the club. What I'd like to hear from them is a bit of contrition and an acknowledgement that we realise that we cannot take this club to where we said it will be, because they've never said that. And, and and the quicker they acknowledge that they cannot, that the next level claims were over-ambitious at best. I'll leave other people to call them lies for it. I'll stick with overambitious at best, and that they they haven't got the money to do it because they've proved it by not by not willing to invest. Because if you look at the, the clubs that have gone into predominantly the next level, how much they've spent, it would have to probably wipe out half of their personal wealth, which they're not willing to do. No, and it's a reactive. Everything that they do is a reactive approach rather than a proactive approach. And yeah. we all know if you do, if you're in business, you know that you have to be some form of proactiveness to make it a successful. Um, going round, um, Matt, you're on there. You got anything you want to say? Um, I did have you just throwing it off my head, <laughs> um, Matt. I'll ask you. Do you think you've learned anything from this? Oh yeah, you can see where the money's gone. It's just been. Should we say spunked away? Yeah. You know, they've put in... Yeah. In trying to chase this dream of giving us the next level, they spent money on players. We've, we've overpaid on wages to get people to come in. We've overpaid on salaries. Yeah, that, that is... That's the fact of... That's a simple fact of... It's clearly that the London Stadium wasn't as attractive as they thought it was. The, the, the funny thing about it is, is that people forget that, that I'd like to dig up and come... When they bought the club, obviously they had the hangover because from what the Icelandics had done, because what the Icelandics had done, they come in, Egbert Magnusson came in, he only owned 5%, the 95% was owned by Goodmanson, it was his money that bankrolled the club, Egbert Magnusson was put in charge of it and he did a lot of the transfers, so Egbert Magnusson was like Sullivan, going out there, buying the likes of Lundberg, uh, buying the likes of, of, of Dyer and Bellamy, putting on wages, the, the club couldn't afford. He was sacked after a year uh, of being in charge, and then they 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 tried to roll back on. They got rid of um, Lundberg off the wage bill. Bellamy had to go because they couldn't afford it. Then on top of that, the Icelandics 
business empire, XL Airlines went bust and everything folded to that. When Golden Sullivan bought the club after that mess, they said, we're going to make sure we never this never happens to a club like West Ham again. Well, hello, 10 years later, I'm afraid <laughs> under their watch, they've just made exactly the same mistakes that, that the Icelandics made. Yeah. But the Icelandics put more money in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Than they, Golden you can't Sullivan. say that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. You no, know, if, if they'd have put more in the way it's going, it wouldn't have been spent well anyway. Well, you know? the idea is you're supposed to learn by your mistakes. You know, perhaps we'll do a different show where we cover <laughs> the, the the reasons why they've had to mm. do all this. Because it's to, an, to answer Kieran's uh, question, um, over ambitious, uh, they try to punch above their weight. They, I think, someone said earlier, they thought they could be a top six club and act like a top six club. And um, they were spending beyond their means, you know. How, how often do we hear, you know, of, of uh, you know, don't spend beyond your means. They, they just went crazy with a, a credit card. And do, do, do they were spending think... beyond the means, sorry, they were spending beyond the means of the club income. At yeah. the end of the day, a lot of the other clubs are being bankrolled by their owners. Yeah. Now, it's possible, because what's happened in the past is when Portsmouth got into the Premier League and won the FA Cup and got up the table, and when Bolton got into Europe under Sam Allardyce, it was bankrolled by the owner. And when that mm. owner left, he took all the money with him and left them clubs now where they are. Mm. Yeah? So there's the other thing you've got to be wary of, is that when, when owners, rich foreign owners come in and bankroll football clubs in the past... They've, they've put those debts onto the football club. When they've sold the club, they've took all that money back out, leaving them with nothing. And hence why the likes of Portsmouth uh, and, uh, and Bolton crumbled because they were only sustainable by, you know, uh, uh, a benefactor. If you lose your benefactor, you're gone. Look at Blackburn. They had the one rich benefactor, won the league. He dies, crumbles. Anton, you wanted to say something. You've got to really push to get past um, Nigel. <laughs> but you could always think back to, you know, would things have changed if we had signed Lacazette, for example? Would of bringing in that quality player then had that knock-on effect for the next player coming in? And then what yeah. would that have done for West Ham's finances pushing forward? Because you could question that that was the deal that we didn't... Is there not a story to say that we were literally marginal... The, uh, money apart from the, getting the deal done from Leon yeah. and being the deal with the player. You know, bringing him in could have been the difference between West Ham progressing forward. But then It, it, it could have, again. And, and in the same way, Payette, you know, we, we looked, if if you ask people, you know, their feeling when we had Payette at his best, you know, no one was was talking about balled out at the time. At the time, we thought, yeah, great. You know, we've got one of the best players in the league. This is you know, every time he got a free kick, it was like a penalty. Um, and, and I remember feeling great then and thinking, this club is going places. But, you know, that's West Ham for you. And when Pellegrini was announced and we started spending the money, I was going, yeah, great. When Allaire was bought, you think, record signing 45 million. This guy is going to tear up the cha uh, his championship. He nearly did uh, tear up the Premier League. Um, but but we, we're built up, aren't we? And we're going to get knocked down. Um and that's what West Ham. That's that's West Ham for you. It certainly is, Nigel. 
you know, they, they, the, the, the fact is, as you say, it's easy to look back and point out. The fact is they had the, the, the two seasons they had to do stuff was the last season at the bowling and first season at London Stadium. As of the guests, look up by crook, the signings they made in the last season of the bowling was the best transfer window they'd had here. They then did totally screwed that up with the first season in the London Stadium with the likes of Norvite, Zaza, Faguli, you know? Um, so, therefore, all the work was undone. They would have, because that was the team to build on. We that finally, that's the, you know, in 10 years of Golden Sullivan, we've had one season of probably outstanding football. Or, uh, you know, and actually, it's quite fitting that it was the last at the bowling, because it would have been terrible if it had been the other way around, if you yeah. think about it. You know, so at least we, we, we had that. But, you know, at the end of the day, this club's not going to progress under them. It's no. just going to be more of the same. So something's got to give. And it won't be the fans. So it has to be them. Is anyone still awake, Anton? Still yeah. on the street? <laughs> yeah, well, listen, we're at the two-hour two mark. And I, think yeah. I do have that's, one question. Go on. Yeah, I mean, Sean might not be able to answer it. Where does Brady get her valuation for the club from? Because we don't own anything. Uh, bonuses. Which, you know what? Yeah, you say that, but but nor does Manchester City, right? They don't own their own stadium. They rent it from the, the council. No, but they've got like a £300 million training facility. No, but We've what Man like City, which he hasn't said, is Man City control the stadium. They do control the stadium. But but what my point is, and you can ask um, Kieran Maguire this from Price of Football, not owning the stadium is neither here nor there. You can still value a, a, a club without owning a stadium. And in fact, a lot of unscrupulous owners actually put the, the uh, stadium in a different company and, and rent it to their club. But anyway, uh, I don't know where Brady got the 800 million from, but she put it on a website and she hasn't changed it in like, I don't know, five years. And uh, and it's still there to this day. But let's, let's be honest, it ain't worth 800 million. Let's no. just, just be uh, completely... Uh, and I'm not sure in the today's markets it's worth 500 million. Um, I don't know what the valuation. Maybe Kieran Maguire's got it right, and it's only worth 248. Who knows? It's as I said earlier, it's only uh, valued at what is someone's prepared to pay for it. Are we wanting to go into some of the current stuff, or Jake? Me that that's us for the night. What, what do we think? Let's ask three, answer three more questions, shall we? Let's go for that one then. That's quite a good question. Dusty Wagon, does the season ticket club cash refund scupper money for signings? Yeah, well, not not this signings here. 26 million we've got him. He can spend that. But but we lost 12 million from season ticket and corporate um, last season. Uh, it ain't looking good. With, with the rise in COVID, remember, we were expecting first four games in September – no, that will be behind closed doors. So there's no ticket money. Um, so you're going to lose about 10 million. Um, there's going to be about 20, 25% uh, capacity in October from the 24th of October, if we're lucky. The government may actually just go no. So the estimate, they're budgeting to lose between 20 and 30 million from ticket and corporate hospitality this season. Hopefully it will be the lower and not the higher, but that that's that's what they're budgeting for. Not it's a grim and every look. Don't be wrong. I'm not. Everybody will be in the same position. And in fact, our season tickets and tickets are cheaper. 
for someone like Spurs or Man United, it is going to be really big knock for them uh, in in, uh, in um, revenue terms. But they're better run clubs, so they can afford it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. For she's in John, what happened to the statement? We'll no longer sell our best academy players' prospects if we move to the London Stadium. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, this <laughs> is this is the crux of it because the worst way the move to the stadium should have meant we never had to sell an academy player. Yeah. If the, for me, the worst thing about, or not the worst thing, but if the move never panned out, at least it meant we never had to sell an academy player. The fact that their Garner's been sold, and this is what the likes of Jim White and TalkSport, when they have their rant at the fans, never take into consideration that it should never have been like this. The fact that it is, must wake up the people that, that still don't believe it, Sean, that it's time for them to move on. Yeah. Because if I, we're selling academy players four years after being in Olympic Stadium and everything, everything's gone wrong. Everything. I think they misjudged the sale of uh, Grady Diagana. I personally disagree with it. I think I would have rather borrowed 18 million from wherever, drawn it down, borrowed it from a bank, I don't know, sold an FA Cup, whatever. Well, they've um, just took out the new Vibrac loan, you know. In, if it's 75 million again, they yeah. could have drawn down on that. At the end of the day, 75 million and they only took 40. That is 35 million they didn't take out. It would have been cheaper to draw down on that and goodwill-wise for the fan base than it ever was to sell him for 18 million. Yeah. Look, yeah, but I, financially, it doesn't make sense, does it? If you it, it, it doesn't, but it's a message it sends out. And look at what's happened. You know, it's a feeding frenzy. And this is why you're getting so many comments. It's a feeding frenzy in the media and fans now who have... It's, it's a straw that broke the camel's back. Look, this is the reason I've been staying off Twitter for a week. And I haven't come on here to wind up fans and be pro-board <coughs> and defend them. I wanted to present where the money went to. If that's come across as I'm defending the board, it wasn't meant. I don't want to wind up fans any further than they have been wound up already. I'm, I'm not happy Grady was sold. You know, I <coughs> I would support a sale if some come along that could take the club further. Yep. Just to make my position clear. <laughs> and, and look, someone's bringing up here, I did say it was a flat market. And, you know, I, that's, that's what I was told. Every other club, I've done a, um, a net transfer spend literally this week and we were 11th and we're now down to 17th in the league. Nearly every club is spending. But as I've just said, um, let's see where everybody is at the end. You know, I think we could see one or two or even three Premier League clubs go into administration by the end of this season. I think some of the money they're spending, I'm just not sure where the money's going to come from. Let's see. Let's see. I just, when you see the kind of money, I just think, well, how are they going to balance the books? I don't know. We'll see. It has surprised me, though. I said it would be depressed market. Everybody... To be fair, a lot of the... pundits and financial experts were saying the same thing. They said, you know, before, before the post-lockdown games... A lot of the financial experts were saying, apart from like you know, the top Man six, City, yeah. yeah, not even top six. Like, apart from the top three, no one's going to have money, and you can only assume that owners are bankrolling it themselves, out of their own personal money to spend it. Because you said the Chinese money's gone, everyone's got to mm. pay back this three hundred and sixty million. Yeah. No one's getting ticket like, revenue's you know, going to be down. No one's yeah, ticket revenue. Sponsors aren't paying money out because there's no games on TV. Yeah, or there's no stadiums. Full sorry. It, you, well, what, it, it's arguments either side, 
But yeah, but what you might find is some clubs to... are going to offset that against TV revenue for staying in the Premier League in the next couple of years. Yeah, possibly. Where, but, but they may stretch we, their 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 expenses yeah, yeah. as well. They're taking risks, you know. Um, we'll see. I I I I'm I'm not going to predict any further. I leave that to people like Kieran Maguire. Um, have no, we had a third be... one now, Anton? Have we got one more question? Well, no. I think what we'll do is we'll probably wrap it up there because that's hopefully brought you as much information as we possibly can. <laughs> the finances. It's on the well done the if you've made it through it, all of it. It's on, it's on the tip of our tongues, you know. It's the fans. Um, social media is such an, a, a crazy, crazy place. You see so much stuff going around, and what we need to do is is go off the facts. This is not, as we have stated, an anti-board message. This is not a pro-board message. This is us, or sorry, I should say, Sean, and in particular, Sean and Nigel, looking at the finances, discussing the finances to maybe answer some of the questions that the fans have been saying. Where is the money? And what we do now know is that we've been told that they are promised, Moyes has been promised 26 million from the, the three mm. sales that have taken place that will get reinvested back into the squad. You make your own decision as fans who are watching this channel, whether you're Gold Sullivan Brady out, or as, as Len says, Brady out. <laughs> Consistently says it. But um, all I can say to you guys is please remember this is not. Uh, us coming to you with a pro board message this has nothing to do with that again like I said you just have to watch all our videos listen to our podcasts you'll see it all you'll hear it all what we actually say on a day to day basis we are West Ham through and through we want the best for our club and that's what this is all about just trying to bring people facts and yeah we'll come back and we'll do another show related to something else maybe you know getting into a bit of an opinion if we need to but um we hope you have enjoyed it nigel sean before you go and again matt anyone want to make any last points uh no just the, the reason why I mean, me and sean sat down and discussed the show last week why to do it uh, you know i went to sean and said i think this needs doing um to try and get across to fans um that you know, to put the facts out rather than there's so many people, sometimes misinformation gets put out by people and they pick up on that and the fans think, oh, because they've said it, that's true. And then it becomes almost, you know, more, urban myth. more yeah, urban myth. It becomes the truth when actually it's not, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the fact yeah. is that they've put so much money in the club. They took money out in interest and loan repayment but the 30 million rights issue that they've put back in actually is them putting back in the money that they've took out. So yeah. the, the big I'm not thing, sure everybody wants to know, and I'm not sure everybody no. listens or wants to, but it, it, it is what it is. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting us on. And I'm just going to do this to uh, upset Nigel. Come on, you eyes. <laughs> um, he, he hates it with a passion when anyone does it. <laughs> Isn't that um, right, Nigel? Listen, pretty guys, out, pretty out of tanners. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, for um, for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit the thumbs up or thumbs. Do what you want. It's your 
your opinion. Get the comments in once the video stops. Let us know. We'll try and answer them. We'll try and get the guys, Nigel, Sean, Matt, myself, to get jump in in the comments once it's, it's come because maybe people will want to do it. So um, what's this here? <laughs> Sorry, I've just had to top channel, lads. How does a sweaty sock become a hammer? Only buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, Nigel, Sean, Matt, thanks for joining us. Extra, uh, extra large, by the way, whoever asked what size my shirt is. I've trimmed <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> extra, not it used to be extra large pre COVID. It's extra, extra large. Since the We've got previews, watch alongs, all that malarkey. And uh, I've been Anton, he's been Nigel. Up in the corner has been Sean, beside me has been Matt. And this is uh, Iron United. Come on, you. Bobby Moore, more than just a podcast. Bobby Moore. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.